Dose of Leadership Podcast, episode 148. Welcome to another episode of the Dose of Leadership Podcast, the show that brings you inspiring and educational interviews with today's most relevant and motivating leaders. Each episode is dedicated to highlight real-life leadership and influence experts who dedicate their lives to the pursuit of the truth, common sense, and courageous leadership. And now, here's your host, Richard Ryerson. Hey, welcome to the Dose of Leadership. This is Richard Ryerson. Thanks for tuning into the show. This episode is brought to you by my sponsor, Wealth Dynamics. You know, all of us have taken a personality test at one time or the other. I know I have. And often, we already discover things that we already knew about ourselves, right? You're either extroverted or you're introverted. You're big picture. You're detail-oriented. Interesting, yes, but how does it make a difference in your life? Well, Wealth Dynamics has a personality test, the only personality test that tells you exactly what strategy you should follow to build wealth. It might appear that most people, that there are 100 ways to build wealth, but Wealth Dynamics breaks down and tells us there's only eight. Successful uh, leaders and entrepreneurs focus on where they are strong, and unsuccessful leaders and entrepreneurs try to do it all themselves. So if you go to doseofleadership.com slash wealthdynamics, you can find a link to go take the test. It only takes 20 minutes. And remember, there's no right or wrong answers, and you only find out what's true for you. Take the test and discover your profile today. They'll email you everything you need to take the test, so you can choose to complete it now or complete it when you have 20 minutes of money worth of time. So again, doseofleadership.com slash wealthdynamics and find your way to create your own wealth. But when it comes to doing great work in the world, Lisa Fabrega has a simple philosophy. Every time you hold back, self-sabotage, and keep yourself from stepping into the leadership you know you're born to embody, you're affecting the fate of the world because you're removing a key player that assists in evolution. And according to Lisa, that's us. That's you. As a truth-telling coach, writer, and innovator in the realm of leadership, she's devoted her life to helping people get rid of fear, anxiety, and self-doubt so that they unleash the inner Gandhi, Mother Teresa, or Martin Luther King Jr., and make a powerful impact on the world. One of her clients described her as her courage creator. I love that. While others have declared her to be the secret weapon for the world, next great thought leaders. If you know you're here to do something big in the world, but for reasons you can't explain, and aren't quite doing it the way you want to, well, Lisa's the person for you. Lisa, welcome to the Dose of Leadership podcast. Thank you. I'm so excited to be here. Well, I love all what you said about in your bio there. It resonates with all the listeners here at Dose of Leadership. We talk about everything that you're that that you're an expert in, and especially overcoming fear and doubts and limiting beliefs. Give us a little bit more about your your backstory. You know, you got a tremendous story about how you came from Panama. So give us a kind of rundown of who Lisa is and what you're all about. <laughs> Great question. Um, so to put it in that shallow, not take. 24 months to tell my story. <laughs> I, uh, I was born in Panama um, to an American mom and a Panamanian dad. And, uh, you know, it's, if we're speaking specifically to leadership, I, I was born in Panama during a time where um, there was a lot of political unrest. And by the time I think I was around nine or 10, we had a dictatorship going. And um, that was the dictatorship of General Manuel Noriega. Right. And um, I had a lot of relatives that were involved in politics and in important positions. And we, they, you know, to put a long story short, uh, a lot of people that I knew and loved were being persecuted. Some people had to go into hiding. And I really got to see a dose of leadership gone wrong right. <laughs> growing up in Panama. Um, 
And I never knew that I wanted to do what I'm doing now. I always was an artist and wrote and performed and wrote music. And as I began to uh, grow up, I my first sort of dose of, of some of the stuff that I talk about was uh, the Noriega dictatorship, just observing the lack of freedom of speech, observing the inability to speak your truth, um, observing being persecuted and even killed and tortured for speaking your truth. Right. Um, that really made a big impression on me. And I, you know, as I'm sure we'll talk about, that's something that I feel a lot of people who want to be leaders, who want to step into their leadership, uh, face just the fear of speaking their truth. And so I personally experienced it then. I guess this sort of got ingrained into my subconscious. And as I began to grow up and go off to college, um, I started feeling like I wanted to be um, be an artist or, or do things more aligned with what I wanted to do. But I felt a terrible fear. And so I just kind of started going along with what I thought everybody else would want me to do. And <laughs> that didn't work out so well. I got incredibly sick. And I um, developed this, I woke up blind in one eye one day, basically. Wow. Yeah, it was very scary. And I went to the doctor and they thought I had a brain tumor. Thank God I didn't. And they took all so much blood from me that it looked like I had like heroin track marks on my arms. They took all this blood and did all these tests and they thought that I might have an autoimmune disorder. And luckily I didn't, but I just remember sitting in the parking lot of the hospital waiting for the blood test results to find out if I had this autoimmune disorder that would basically harden my lungs until I suffocated to death. Ugh. Yeah. And I remember just thinking, this is not okay. Like this has to be happening for some type of reason. And in my head, I heard this voice say, you've been suppressing what you want to speak and do all these years. And Basically, that's a form of self-attack, I believe. And so, of course, your immune system is attacking your, its own body now. And um, from that point on, I had a huge shift. And I remember I went, this was in college. I went back to college and switched my major. I was terrified. My parents uh, threatened to withdraw all of my financial help through college. And I said, fine, I'll just get loans. <laughs> um, and And then, you know, this led into... Me, you know, eventually becoming a coach. I, I was an actor in New York for a while, um, which was a wonderful experience. And and one day I had a friend who was also an actor who told me she'd become a coach and she was paying her bills and and not having to do a nine to five job. <laughs> <laughs> and um, I I left and I did it. And you know, when I started my business, the same I went back into that same pattern of doing what I thought other people were doing to be successful, yeah. not listening to my inner voice. And I had another breakdown in my business, <laughs> got really sick. And, you know, and that's when I really learned that that was the huge turning point in terms of what I teach now, um, how important it is to really be aligned with what you're saying and doing and whatever you're creating or putting out there in the world, that it's something that's really aligned with who you're meant to be and what your purpose is. So that's me in a nutshell. Oh man, what a great story. You know, and there's so many things that resonate with, I know people that have, have contacted me that listen to the show, people that I've coached and certainly with my own personal life, certainly absolutely. Gosh, how, how many of us, and I, there's so many of us that go down that path of, well, I was just doing what I thought I should be doing. I know I'm guilty of that, and it led me down a dark, destructive path for sure. And uh, it got me so disconnected from my family, from <clears throat> my wife, and and it was just a miserable feeling. And and so, 
you know, kind of tied with that is like, how do we trust? You know what my biggest problem is, is I don't, I can't trust that inner voice. Sometimes I don't know if it's the ego talking or if that's really what I'm supposed to be doing. I mean, that is a, a big struggle for me. And uh, what, what do you, what do you think about that? Oh, I think a lot about that. <laughs> um, I, I struggle with the same thing. I, just last week, I was feeling led internally to do to make a shift to, to offer something I've never offered before in my business, and um, I had this huge battle between my not try not knowing what was my ego and my soul, and my soul telling me what to do. Which I think you know, I think the ego is necessary. I don't think the ego is bad. The ego is what strives that that makes us strive to like charge for what we do and make a living out of it. Right. And, and everything else and you know and get up and speak to a bunch of people and change their lives that that's that's ego that's partially ego but uh, I think it, a lot of people ignore their soul um I actually just taught a just like taught a little free audio about this recently how to tell the difference are you interested in hearing about it sure yeah absolutely yeah well what I've found is <clears throat> there's several patterns I've found in working with people to discern what is their ego and what is their soul so the ego is sort of, if we're all an ego, then we're basically creating things that we think other people will like, that we'll get a, you know, attention for, that, that will make people like us, uh, that will make us more money. And then we're forgetting, this is what I think a lot of people who are stepping into positions of leadership are doing, they're not really, they're forgetting to check in with what it is that they really feel called to do here on the right. planet. And um, so then I noticed that when it's the soul, there's a different pattern. So what I noticed is... Um, if you are feeling called to do something or you're kind of, kind of thinking about doing something, if you close your eyes and you check in your, into your body and you feel where the desire is in your body to do that thing, like um, just two days ago I was working with a woman who has a very successful um, business and she's been feeling called to step more into a personal brand because um, her business is not built under her brand and or her personality at least. And I asked her, you know, where's the desire to want to step into this personal brand? And she told me it's in my throat and in my head. And what I found is when you feel it in your body and your throat and your head, it's ego. Yeah. That's when you a, feel oh, it in your that, heart yeah. and your stomach, it, that's what's in alignment with you. Yeah, I love that. Yeah, that's absolutely true, right? I mean, if because places are either coming from your heart, head, or your gut. Yeah. And, um, oh, yeah, I love that. You, you know, so... Oh, well that that was kind of an aha moment for me. Yeah, because you're absolutely right. I mean, the more that you can, and because um, this is where I've always kind of struggled because I love to speak. I love to present. And sometimes it's just I get a thrill from doing that. And being an actor, you probably, this is probably the same thing for you. There was yeah. a reason why you wanted to be an actor. And there was that rush and that thrill and to do that. I get that. But there's a part of that scares me too. Is like, well, what if I start believing my own press? I mean, that was probably my biggest fear. But if you're ta if you're tapped in, like you said, is like, where is this coming from? Yeah, you know th yeah. that that's the difference between a kind of a healthy reason why I want to get on stage and an, and an unhealthy reason why I want to get on stage. Did I summarize yeah. that right? Absolutely. And people feel that. Um, I I as an actor myself, the reason I became an actor was because I loved the experience of. Um, I believe that when we're in front of people, and especially if we're acting a role or in a play within a certain situation, um, those are always high-stakes situations. Otherwise, nobody the play would be boring to watch or the, the movie would be boring to watch. And what I loved about theater and film and, and standing up in front of people like that was that you get to be a mirror for the people in the audience. 
um, for themselves. They right. get to see themselves reflected back to you and they can have a huge transformation because of that. So that was why I got into acting. But I remember a couple times when I would go on stage and I was an ego, I could feel the audience not responding to me. Right. Um, because people feel it, whether, whether people are super tapped into themselves or not, we still feel energy and we feel lack of alignment. So people will feel it. You know, we, we do these things, the ego wants to do these things to make more money, but if it's not connected to your soul, you're not going to sell. Your people are not going to come because they feel the wobbliness in that. Well, gosh, and isn't that true with every aspect of your life? I mean, you can just expand that to everything that you do, and especially in a leadership position. If it's about you and your position and your title, you're not going to be very effective as a leader. And we all know, and we've seen leaders, and maybe we've even done it ourselves, where we've been, it's about the corner office and position and title. And it's uh, uh, there's no calories in that leadership or that leadership role if, if that's where yeah. you're going. But if you can totally devoid yourself and say, look, and remind yourself, it's not about me. It's all about them. And I think there's an intentionality, and like you yeah. said, of kind of getting in, looking internal about why am I doing this? Well, you're doing it because of them to help them. Yes. Then that's when the leadership really starts taking going to a whole different plane. Absolutely. I say that to my clients all the time. I find that when we get stuck or when we're not moving forward or when we're afraid to get up and do that speech or afraid to release that program or afraid to do an interview or whatever it might be, it's because the focus is on ourselves. Right. And the minute you look at the face of the person you help, the minute you take that focus off of you and onto the, your audience, that fear just, I mean, the fear doesn't go away. It's still there, but you get unstuck immediately. Because it's, like you said, it's not about you anymore. It's about the people that you're here to serve. And then that's where the richness comes in, and and you get, you receive tenfold. I mean, it's the old axiom, it's better to give than receive. I mean, and that's really at the heart of what's happening in, in, in that interaction. I mean, if you can devoid yourself and give completely selflessly, um, man, you get back more than, more than an abundance than you need. Oh, my gosh, yes. I can't. I can't tell you, I actually recently had that experience. Um, I have a, a high-level mastermind program, and it has three retreats, and I just did the first retreat, and um, I was completely, my intention was to be for them the whole weekend, and I told them, use me, I am here for you. Right. Um, and so I literally was like, I am available whenever you want to speak to me, whatever you need, I am here. Don't worry about me being tired or any of that. I, you know, I'm grown up enough to remove myself when I need the time. And it was beautiful. Um, what I found was by the end of the weekend, I had received more love than I had given out back from the participants. And I had been transformed by the experience um, because I was fully present and in service the whole weekend. It, it, I got I got out of it much more than if I had got into it wondering what I would get out of it. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's, it's funny that when I've in coaching and in leadership positions when I've done that. I mean, yeah, I know exactly what you mean. And, and um, why do we fall back? Even though we know that and you and I are talking about it, why do we, why do we slip back and, and become that selfish person that, uh, that, that is looking for that instant gratification? I mean, I'm guilty of that. I'm guilty of it a couple weeks ago where it's, it's almost like when I get stuck in my business or in life, I feel like I got to, you know, do something. It's that delicate balance because as entrepreneurs and everybody else, you, you feel like you have to do something. But, you know, the more patient and the less chokehold I put on things, then things seem to fall in place. But when I don't see things happening, you almost get panicky and you feel like you have to do something. 
And that yeah. doing something sometimes is uh, counterproductive. Yeah. Know, does that make sense? No, it is. And I, I think that um, it's a kind of a form of self-sabotage, I think. Um, because, you know, one of the things, and, I, and, I, and I'm not, I speak this from the experience because I struggled with this too, is not trusting that things are flowing as they should. Right. Um, feeling like you have to push things. And I do think, you know, it is a balance when you're an entrepreneur. Um, you do have to just be persistent and consistent with what you're putting out there to build your audience. But at the same time, it's a paradox. We have to hold paradox. Uh, we have to also trust that things are unfolding as they should. And that links back to the ego. Um, you know, just about a couple weeks ago, I was thinking, well, maybe I should be doing this program because my audience should be bigger by, by now and I need to be doing it this way. And um, then I basically had a huge backlash from that right. because I was not trusting that things are unfolding as they should and just sticking with the plan of what my, my soul was telling me to do. But <clears throat> I think we go back to it because... You know, this is something that I, I, I teach a lot is that we all have a core belief that we formed when we were younger. Um, so when you were young, you were born into the world feeling love, safety, and belonging. And at some point, an event happened and it shook you up and it shook that idea that you were loved, that you were safe, and that you belonged up. Right. And what happens in that moment is we create a belief about ourselves because, you know, there's three options. You can believe something's wrong with mom or dad. But when you're a child, your ego doesn't choose that option because it basically thinks you'll die if something's wrong with mom or dad. You can choose to believe there's something wrong with the world, but again, to the child, that means you'll die. And your, your brain is concerned with survival, so it's not going to choose that something's wrong with the world, and that's why that event happened. So the only choice that we have left to make is that there's something wrong with us. Hmm. And when we make that choice, let's say that that choice for me becomes I am not lovable or uh, there's something or I'm not strong or whatever. Let's say that becomes my core belief. Weirdly enough, that belief reestablishes love, safety, and belonging for me. And so now believing that I am not lovable or I'm not strong, whatever it might be, is actually what creates love, safety, and belonging for me. So, you know, very often in this entrepreneur, in entrepreneurial journey, you know, we take these huge strides forward and then suddenly we'll kind of push ourselves, we'll hit a ceiling or we'll push ourselves back, or we'll go back to limiting beliefs, we'll go back to ego. And I think it's because it's that push and pull of the core belief. The core belief means love, safety, and belonging. So in a weird way, I'm not lovable, or I'm not right, or whatever it might be, means this is what creates love, safety, and belonging. So if I start to try to believe that I am lovable, or that I am strong, or that I am capable, I'm actually challenging love, safety, and belonging in my child brain. And so we, I think it's a process of push and pull, but luckily there are tools and things that you can use to keep moving forward. Um, but yeah, I'll leave it there because I'm sure you want to know what those tools are. <laughs> well, yeah, I do one of those tools are, but I'm just like, wow, this is going, uh, you know, it's resonating on a whole bunch of levels, especially on the entrepreneur front, the leadership front, the personal front. There's so many things that um, I know that I've helped coach people, but even myself, and what, there's something there that I was thinking about when what you were talking about, kind of going back, and um, it, it's it's this, it's the negative self-talk that surprises me about myself and almost everybody that I come across, and even people that I put in highly successful buckets, uh, people that have accomplished great things, and almost invariably everybody goes back to the things that we say to ourselves are so 
damaging and destructive. I mean, just even last week, I remember thinking, and it was such a minor thing. I mean, if I told you what the mistake was, you'd be like, oh, what's a big deal? But I just said to myself over and over, God, you're so stupid. You're so stupid. And you don't even realize you're saying it half the time, or at least I don't. And then I caught myself. I'm like, why am I saying that? Why don't? Why is that negative self-talk so prevalent in our, in our, in our forefront of our minds? Why is it there? Mm-hmm. So, I, you know, I guess to, to my point is, is what... It, it, well, for, for two questions. Is that what you've seen? I mean, validate that the people that you come across and even yourself, I mean, do you find the negative self-talk being so kind of prevalent? Is That's my first question. Yeah. I think that it's impossible to not have negative self-talk. Yeah. And I think that some of the world's greatest leaders have experienced profound self-doubt. I mean... I was just talking with um, a friend of mine, you know, one of the things that I think is so important to get past the self-doubt and the negative talk is to just have community and people who will call you out and who will support you. Right. Um, But I was just talking with a friend about this last week because about every, I would say probably around every three months, I have like a severe dark night of the soul. (laughs) (laughs) I love that. Every three months. And I mean, and I think especially when you're, when you're, when you have a purpose-based or a passion-driven or a leadership-based business, uh, that's, that's just normal. And at first, I thought it was abnormal and there was something wrong with me. And then as I started looking into my greatest heroes, people like Mother Teresa, you know, Mother Teresa, I don't know if you know this, but, you know, she had her journals published after yeah. she died, even though she requested they not be published. That's right. <laughs> and um, the whole thing is just like profound moments of doubt yes. in, even, in her yep. mission. I, mem- yeah. I remember reading that and she was just like, you know, even doubting the existence of God at some times. You're like, what? Mother Teresa? I know, like the nun. <laughs> <laughs> but but that's what I, I, I think that that is just something that if we just accept it as part of the path and try mm. not to make it wrong, then we're just much better able to deal with it. I think the greater mission you have on this earth and the greater um, level of leadership that you're meant to embody the deeper the dark nights of the soul because there's so much when we're stepping into our leadership, we have to walk our talk. It's a constant process of deeper and deeper alignment with what we're teaching. Um, And that brings up all your stuff. It brings up all the stuff to process and to release and the negative self-talk and the doubt. And, and, you know, the path of leadership to me, um, it's, I, I I have an image for it. I, I view it as, well, I'm a woman, so I view it as a woman with a blindfold on, walking through a tunnel um, with a candle that's lit, but she can't see the light. And the only thing that guides her through this tunnel is the internal, in her, is her own internal voice of her soul. Mm-hmm. And that, to me, is the path of leadership. So you bet you're going to have moments of self-doubt because you are doing things that nobody has done before in the, the way you're doing them. You're doing things that, like, a huge percentage percentage of the world has not had the courage to do. And so you bet there's going to be self-doubt because a lot of times you're blazing your own trail. I love that you said that because it's so true. I mean, and that's what makes it so lonely. I think sometimes even, you know, when I first even started talking about leadership and I got it, but it it was, there was an inauthenticity to it because when I would get up and speak, it's almost like, um, some of the stuff you didn't believe it yourself sometimes because you weren't living up to what you were talking about, if that makes sense. There wasn't that, it, it, there was that sense of this false sense that if here I'm presenting this product, um, I can't be vulnerable. I can't make the mistakes. 
Mm-hmm. And, and mm-hmm. when things really started turning around for me is when I started, okay, look, this is what's really going on in my head. Doesn't mean I'm not a great leader and can't be a great leader, but um, here's what I'm struggling with. You know, yeah. I don't, am I making sense? I mean, I'm kind of. Yes, you're making so much sense. I have to say this resonates so much with me, what you're saying. Um, and I think what I'm so passionate about is the new is bre- ushering forth a new paradigm of leadership, right. which which what you're talking about, you're embodying it too. Is I don't, you know, in the past we had leaders that were like gurus on top of mountains that were perfect. Right. That doesn't work anymore. Uh. Uh-uh, it doesn't. People who are real. We want people who share their struggles. We want people who are truthful. Hey, like just for example, last week I wrote an article about how to tell the difference between your soul and your ego. Okay, a couple week, last week or a couple weeks ago, and the week after I wrote that article, I had a huge situation where I couldn't tell the difference, and I actually had to go back to my own article <laughs> and read what I wrote and like te- reteach it to myself. Right. And people are, I think that people are tired of the per- of you know. There's this you know I could go on a whole diatribe about this, but you know, there's a there's there's the old paradigm of leadership is about separation i'm up here and you're down there and you need to look up to me and admire me in order to you know progress but the new paradigm of leadership we're all the same we're all one we're all equal and we're all moving through different things we're all struggling with things and i think when we share what we struggle with when we share hey i'm not perfect you know i'm walk i'm walking my talk too i'm going through the struggle, I think it's so much more inspiring to people because, and it creates, it, I think it heals so much in the world because there's so much separation in the world. There's so much, I'm, I'm here and you're other, you're different from me. Um, that when we just say, hey, guess what? I'm just like you. I'm struggling just like you. And I'm sharing with you what I've learned from my struggles. You can take it or leave it, but that doesn't mean I'm perfect. You begin to bring people together and connect them because people look up to you and think, Oh, she's dealing with the same stuff that I am, or he's he's going through that doubt that I'm going through right now, and they don't feel so alone, and they feel more connected. And you know, if you, I view this as sort of like the way to save the world, to mm-hmm. be honest, mm-hmm. because there's so much war and there's so much violence, and it's all otherness. It's all you are other. We, we have different beliefs, therefore I need to kill you. Right. Or we have beliefs, therefore I need to shun you and reject you. But that doesn't work. Mm-mm. So. If we start to share our struggles, show people that we're all one, that we're all the same, we're all going through the same stuff, we can really start to heal that rift. And I'm a huge believer of uh, making huge changes by doing internal work and just doing what you can within your own sphere. Um, So, yeah. Well, I love what you said. I mean, it's, it's resonating deeply with me, what you're saying. And, and, you know, the, the, the skeptics and the critics would say, well, you know, that is, uh, so kumbaya and this and that, and it's not how business really works and this and that. And I would tell you, you know, and, and I came from the Marine Corps and people have asked me a lot and they've got a lot of perceptions about what the Marine Corps was like. And uh, a lot of my leadership philosophy was forged during those 10 years I was on active duty. And a lot of people think that it's, it's about, you know, um, short haircut, screaming, um, do as I say, I'm smarter than you, you follow my orders blindly. And it was the exact opposite. And if anything, it was probably one of the more loving organizations. And I know some people are like, how can you say that? And it was because everything you're talking about was put tremendous um, belief in, um, in the individual that, you know, 
decentralized decision making of 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 asking for forgiveness and not permission because I believe in you. All those things is what I learned in the Marine Corps, and I agree with you. Changing the world because things are so polarized and. Um, and you take the example of the Marine Corps, where the, why are they so successful at what they do? Well, they're around a, a bigger cause, bigger than themselves. I mean, if you just you know stripped it away, that's why they're so good at what they do. And you couple that with loving leadership. You know, I don't know if the Marine Corps ever talks about that, but that's really what's happening. Is and I've seen people when they talk about their experiences, and even I'm talking about World War II vets that have seen the the grossest inhumanity and violence that you can imagine. You know, you just couldn't even imagine. And you and you talk about what got you through I mean what made it so unique and this is an 83 year old Iwo Jima marine veteran and he said it taught me how to love another human being and when I heard that I mean where I'm going with this is that so much of what we um, what I see out there I agree with you is so fake and so phony and so plastic banana and the second you get authentic and you get vulnerable and you get real um, that's when the world can be changed I mean that's kind of my diatribe there so well, and I think I completely agree with you. I think people are starving for authenticity. I agree, yeah. They're starving for it. And it, what's funny is a lot of people come to, with me to work, come to me to work on their businesses and make more money. <laughs> and it's funny because then they get like this whole dose of what you and I are right, talking right. about. Right? But that's kind of the way to make more money in and of itself. Because exactly. if you think about it, there's not very many people being authentic and vulnerable and sharing. And they're like, oh, God, thank God. Like, this is so I, I'm starving for this. And then that really makes you stand out and it makes people want to come to you because you're being real. Right. Well, I think a lot of times you, you go into, well, even in entrepreneurship, you know, I got to make more money. I got to make a, I got to be financially free. But the more that you dig into it, the more that it's about what we're talking about here. I agree with you. Exactly. Well, gosh, what's next for you? I mean, just, I just, I love this conversation. I could, I could continue this for hours, but uh, wh- why is, um, you know, what's next for you? I mean, I mean, you just came back to speaking at the men's conference. I mean, what's on your plate coming up? Mm. So uh, coming up, I am actually uh, just, you know, I went through a little dark night of the soul myself last <laughs> week, as I shared with you earlier, and I realized I was being asked to step into uh, a, a deeper role, even deeper than I'm already going, and uh, I'm actually going to be launching a retreat for uh, leaders. Um, it's going to be a very different way of marketing than I've ever marketed. So that in and of itself is scary, right? That is a new form of leadership for me is trusting that where I'm being led is the right place to go, even though my brain is saying, oh, you should be marketing it this way because you know when you market it this way, you know people come and you make money. <laughs> and my soul is going, nope, this is going to be a different way of marketing this time. Uh, it's going to be actually an invite-only retreat. Wow! So it's fabulous. It's terrifying me in a fabulous way. <laughs> um, so I've got that coming up, and um, I'm actually going to be uh, uh, releasing my. Uh, I have a program I created called Impact, which is about um, how to create more impact as a leader in the world, and I'm releasing that in the fall. Um, but for me. Um, I'm just focusing more on doing more live speaking engagements and just trying to reach more people with this message of authentic leadership and vulnerability because I think everybody can be a leader even if they're not standing up in front of thousands of people. You can be a leader within your family. You can be a leader with your sister. You can be a leader within your own life. Um, yep. So 
So I'm feeling called to do that more and more. Well, the, yeah, the, I love that you said that. The more that you realize that every opportunity, every interaction, you know, with the cashier, with, you know, like you said, your family, your kids, whoever, your friends, every opportunity is a leadership opportunity. Even when you're, yes. you know, leading yourself is the most difficult part. I mean, it's just a constant struggle. It never, it never, it's, well, it's, let me rephrase that. It's a, it's a never ending journey, I guess I should say. Yeah. It, it never, it never ends until the day you check out. It doesn't. And that's, I think it's so important that you just said that because I think so many people think, well, if I, you know, if I get here, then everything will be cool. <laughs> right. No, it's, right. this is a lifelong journey that you're undertaking this, this, this leader, this leadership journey. And it's beautiful because it just cracks you open constantly, pushes you to your edge, forces you to change. I mean, it's just amazing. And, and I see it like who I was two years ago, so different from who I am now. And it's all because of just saying yes to this journey. Yeah. Oh, I love, yeah. Saying yes to it and, and, and understanding that the fear, the uncertainty never goes away. I think we put a lot oh. of resources, time and energy trying to get rid of that or quell it. <laughs> and it's, it's just, you got to, you know, I'm not yeah. saying you bring, you bring um, fuel to the fire to add chaos to your life. But I, instead of trying to eliminate chaos, I shifted to exploiting chaos because it doesn't, yeah, it, doesn't it, it doesn't go away. And, oh, I love um, that. So uh, I don't know, I, what I'm so honored to have met you, and um, I look forward I, to. I got to have you back on the show because there's specific things I would like to talk to you about. The themes that we could talk about, we could explore. But, I, uh, I feel like I got a free coaching session. You've helped me today. <laughs> so wonderful. Oh, what, one thing I wanted did want to talk about is in uh, some of my clients, and then some of the things that I've struggled with too is this kind of comparison factor, especially with entrepreneurs. Mm-hmm. And maybe we can kind of close on talking about this because, I, you know, it's something you can and I, I can be going, you know, um, like gangbusters and feeling all energetic and positive. And then just moments later, that having that in one of those dark moments, like you said, and it's because I find somebody that did something better than me or it's like, why didn't I think about that? Or, wow, they have so much more downloads than I have on my podcast. I mean, you name it, it runs the gamut. And that's kind of like the curse to me of the entrepreneurship game and the leadership game, because I'm constantly finding, finding myself comparing myself with somebody else. And it can defeat me to be quite honest. What are your thoughts on that? Oh my gosh. I so resonate with that. I think the, it's a comparison trap. I think the comparison trap is, is it's a given as part of this journey. And There's two things that I have to say about that. One thing is that when you're comparing yourself to somebody else, just remember, and I know this is woo-woo, but just drink the Kool-Aid of woo-woo for two seconds. (laughs) (laughs) So if if we are all one, and we're all one and we're also separate selves, okay? If we are all one, and let's say you release a video and I'm watching it and I'm comparing myself to you and thinking, God, why couldn't I have created a video like that? God, you know... That's why he's so ahead of me. And this is why I'll never succeed. And then I go down that spiral. Right. Okay. What I, what I tell my clients to remember is that we are all one. So that video that I'm watching is a reflection of me and what I am capable of doing. Uh, yeah. So instead of putting yourself down, I saying, I am not that you are that like that is a part of you being reflected back to you in that moment. And so that's just a reflection of your own greatness. So instead of going down a negative spiral with the thinking, you could use it to inspire you. Oh my gosh, you know, you just released this amazing video and I've been wanting to do video for a while. What did this person do right that I can take as inspiration to do it? Beautiful. Uh, 
that's a huge, huge thing. That's one little tip I can give you. Love it. Yeah. Love it. Love you. Love your website. Love what you're doing. Thank you. And uh, I look forward to uh, maybe even collaborating with you in the future on something. This is just fabulous stuff. Where can people find you and get in touch with you? Yeah, um, you can go to www.lisafabrega.com and I'll spell it out for you. L-I-S-A-F like Frank, A-B-R-E-G-A.com. Beautiful. I'll have links to this on the post when I when I get it posted. Lisa, thanks for coming on the show. Stay on the lineup when I stop recording. We'll chat for a minute. But gosh, thanks for coming on the show. Thanks for having me. It's such a pleasure. All right, we'll talk again. Richard invites you to become a part of the Dose of Leadership community. Visit doseofleadership.com and sign up to receive his free Common Sense Leadership ebook, a guide that highlights how all of us can learn to become calm, confident, consistent, and courageous in all aspects of our lives. Richard is also available as a speaker for your next event. Richard specializes in practical leadership and change management. He has a philosophy of inspiring everyone to think and act like a leader, which is based on timeless natural principles and common sense. You can get more info by visiting doseofleadership.com.